Gaming on the Frontier. This is Trav. And this is Jonathan. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of putting another person's intellectual property with Fringeworthy and finding out that video games are just another way of creating adventures. It's all good. It's all it's all uh, adventure ideas and settings and less work for you. <laughs> okay. Again, welcome to Gaming on the Frontier. This week we are talking about adding Fringeworthy to Mass Effect. Or is it Mass Effect to Fringeworthy? It's, it's kind of both, you know. And uh, this goes along with many of our other uh, episodes of that, uh, adding Skyrim uh, to Fringeworthy, adding Fallout to Fringeworthy, adding uh, Pokemon to Fringeworthy. Uh, just go ahead and uh, look that up on our Podbean uh, site. Just type it into the search window and you'll find all those types of, of things. But what we really are talking about is the fact that since Fringeworthy uh, as a game system incorporates all possible Earths and many other worlds as well, it's quite possible to, you know, to basically be a, a Fringeworthy character and show up on a world that has, you know, whatever intellectual property you choose to to uh, use. So if you have a video game or a book or anything else that you think is the greatest thing since sliced cheese, then you certainly can play the both of them together. Okay, <laughs> but... Um, and of course, you know they 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 do have a wide variety of uh, of weaponry. So if you are into weaponry, you've got so many choices. Though frankly, I was looking over the guns, I was like, you know, there's this like assassination pistol that to me seems like the best one of the bunch. You know, as long as until you get into like the the assault rifles or something like that, because I mean, all the guns do like you know one two D eight, just the standard D twenty stuff, and then you get this four D you know you know four D six plus twelve, and I'm like, dang, you know, but it, because this is assassination gun is. You're supposed to pull the trigger once and the guy's supposed to drop dead from it. So, you know, it's, you know, they, they've got poisons, they got gases. They I don't know if, you know, um, uh, uh, if they have the same, uh, uh, you know, you know, it, it, I think they, there's lots of places where there's, uh, if you were to grab stuff from the TriTech game universe, uh, you might find a lot of interesting things. Uh, you know, like, I don't know if they have a, um, Oh, uh, a microwave uh, gun that basically heats you up from the inside and fries electronics. Okay, um, you know the fringe where they have. Uh, if you go to the FTL uh, side of it, uh, they've got um, uh, all of their energy weapons. Well, not all of them, but like a lot of their energy weapons use cartridges, and uh, that basically just kick out like regular guns, and they don't have any problems with heat. Because they essentially, you know, they throw away the, the the hottest part of the of the weapon, you know, the 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 the, the capacitor, you know, the and instead of having to swap ammo, they just swap their heat heat sinks. Right, and uh, 
The one I always thought was interesting was the blaster, okay? Because the, uh, and this is not in mass effect, this is in, uh, like I say, in the Tritech system, which causes an explosion on the surface of a target. So, you know, it's, <laughs> you literally fire at a door, boom, it's like, it's like taping a grenade to the door and likewise to a person. And, you know, and you can do all kinds of cool stuff with that kind of thing. You know, I don't know if there's a weapon like that in the Mass Effect universe, but if there isn't, then, hey, you know, by, by you, you could, you know, um, you know, that's an example of gear that could come from the fringeworthy side that could make the Mass Effect world even cooler because it has that. Now, what it wouldn't have, of course, is all those special abilities, unless, of course, the GM wants to add them because, you know, that isn't in the fringeworthy, in, in the Tritech game system. But, you know, uh, if you had X amount of energy weapon specialization, would you be would you unlock certain abilities in the blaster rifle that otherwise wouldn't be there? So, you know, it's, I'm just saying is that, you know, interfacing the, the, the equipment from two different game systems can bring about some interesting changes in tactics. Um, but I do like the fact they have so many different types of weapons, so many different types of effects, whether biotic or technological or whatever, because that means you can have all kinds of cool um, strategies. Uh, when you're, you know, when you're attacking somebody, you can take advantage of things like that, you know. Uh, to me, the one thing that most players don't ever do, and I think it's one of the coolest things you could do, is literally blow a hole in a wall between you and, and somebody. And just literally, you know, either go, just bust in, come up behind them that way, or go circle around them to a, a better position just by blowing holes in walls. And people almost never do that in games I've played. Because most games don't have weapons that will do that. <laughs> You know, they, they fire little little holes and make little holes in things. And so unless you're like taking a, 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 an assault rifle and going and doing the circle, you know, where you yeah. basically, you know, you, you create the perforated uh, hole in the wall and then someone busts through it on the uh, on that round or the next round. You know, I'm just saying those that I like, you know, the idea of being able to set an explosion off right next to a wall would make it really conducive to that sort of thing. Or if you wanted to, like, say, blow out a tire, take out a windshield, um, you know, I mean, lots of stuff like that, you know, could be done. You know, uh, uh, take out the leg on a uh, uh, on a strut that uh, keeps one of those big water towers, you know, stable and watch it. Down. So yeah. Anyways, um, I don't know if you can do that uh, in this game where they have that kind of targeting ability. Was that listed as you know, uh, Jonathan? Uh, did you have that kind of targeting ability? Mm, not really. In in the game itself, it was pretty much there wasn't there that many environmental changes or disruptions outside. Uh, you know, outside of cutscenes. Okay. So yeah, it was. All yeah, you couldn't do environment destruction. It was the best you could do is I think maybe there were some games where there were, you know, canisters around that you could shoot that would explode with like you know fire or ice or acid damage or something like that. It's been a while. I can't remember if I actually remember that correctly or not. Yeah. But yeah, I think that was the closest you got to environmental damage was you know the the classic you know red barrel. So different game systems a lot of times have different weapons uh, that can can basically increase the number of things because otherwise what happens is you get these people and they're like well i'd like to be able to do this but now i got to do all kinds of research to be able to because it doesn't exist so i'll have to invent it 
So I have to do all this research and it'll be time and take it away from the game and stuff like that. Or I have to hire somebody to do it. It's kind of fun when you can just basically bring in people from another game system that already has that as standard equipment. And so you can just bring it on in. That's, that's pretty cool to do that. All right. Um, okay, so uh, fully-fledged, uh, uh, I mean, you know, fully-developed people uh, the, the technology, the space travel, um, is, is there the ability to, you know, play, are you, are, I know the game basically wants you to concentrate on being one of the, uh, the trouble shooters. Uh, they had a name for that. It was the, uh, uh specters, specters. Yeah. You want to be a specter. Okay. But I mean, you know, is it possible for you to, jump in your own spaceship and or, or commandeer a spaceship and fly it someplace you have as commander shepherd you are commander of the uh normandy the earth alliance ship normandy yeah if, if you were right um so you can fly no you still are even when you become a specter you still retain your ship no no i know that i'm just saying though is it but as long if you're not playing the uh uh you're not playing the story verse that you may not be on the exact same time. Uh, you know, uh, you may not be serving with commander Shepard. Right. Well, in, well, in the mass effect universe, um, space travel is, is easy. Cause I mean, is assuming you have a ship, all you have to do is get close to a mass relay, activate it. And you're going to the next place. Now it is a, you know, a govern, there is a sort of governing body over the, the, this, galaxy so if you try if you try and go somewhere you're not supposed to you know you might have some patrol ships come and disable your craft but in the game itself you could pretty much go wherever you mm, well i mean it, you could it wasn't an open world galaxy there were already specific you know planets you could visit but you know you could you didn't have to it, there wasn't a linear path so to speak so you could go to any planet you wanted and explore, find resources, find side quests, and then hop back on your ship and fly somewhere else. Right. It sounds like, you know, flying from place to place is an NPC action then. Mm. Am I wrong? I mean, you know, would anybody take skill in piloting? Oh yeah. There is a, there is, there is uh, a few, uh, at least in the game itself, there were cinematic sequences where Joker, your pilot, you know, would be dodging enemy fire and, navigating the optimal route from one mass relay to the next and stuff like that. So yeah, if, if you have access to a ship, you're going to want a pilot, especially if you think you might be getting into combat with your ship. Okay. All right. Well, all right. So what else is there about the mass effect universe that you think is really cool that would be adding something to the fringe worthy game other than just being able to play it, you know, from the fringeworthy side. I think if you have, um, one of the good things that I liked about it was any of these races, should they somehow find themselves on the fringe path, they're already going to be used to dealing with alien races because they already come from a, a, a universe where numerous different species co-mingle and, and talk to each other. So having just sort of expanding their, their field of vision to, you know, a, multiple universes instead of just one universe... <laughs> They'd probably fit right into a fringeworthy like IDET uh, exploration team. So you see this as a good source of new, interesting new uh, player characters. Yeah, oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. All right. Because yeah, some of these are some. I mean, they did some unique things because you have the Asari and uh, a quote all female you know species, but they're not really all 
female. They're monogendered that just look female, um, which is, you know, a, a riff on the, you know, classic, you know, green women trope. It's fetish yeah. fuel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, they have, you know, they they live ex- exceedingly long lives. They have low-level telepathy in addition to their biotic. They tend to have biotic powers. You put one on the fringe path, they could probably pick up psionics easier than most. I think it'd be another example of, um, yeah, it, it, another source of interesting PC races for the fringe path. Okay. Or even the Krogan because of their whole hardiness and, you know, redundant, you know, organs and all that stuff. Right. Uh, what about the Reapers? Um, they are a, a true AI. So would that be something that could inform, um, you know, is it, if they're a biological AI, so to speak, then they could go onto the fringe pass. And even if they're not, uh, would that allow Earth to produce, you know, uh, uh, you know, Reapers of their own? Mm, well, that's the tricky thing, because the Reapers are all ships, all ship-sized. So... Do they have to be, or is that just what they're plugged? Uh, I think it's implied because each Reaper at its core is made up of a slurry of organic material harvested from the race that they exterminated on a cycle. Um, and is big. I mean, even even these core baby Reapers are multi-story. Uh, but even then, it's not it's not clear if it that organic paste they're made out of is really what does the thinking, or is just some way of some weird tribute to the race that they exterminated that cycle that i i can say that we've never in the game seen a reaper smaller than you know a large building so the reapers themselves probably so there might be technology but if they made a reaper it would be the size of a building probably well i mean they do have things here reaper ground forces and see there there was it husks cannibals marauders banshees which are usually just cyber cybernetically enhanced organic races with zombie-like behavior. Yeah, yeah. And it says medium organic slash synthetic. So basically, they're kind of like universal soldiers. Reanimated cyborg forces. Yeah. Yeah, is what I'm getting the vibe here from this. But in, the, got yeah. forms. in the game itself, though, none of those ever had any kind of free will or intelligence. They were just mindless killing machines yeah yeah um but then you did have the humans were like um, we talked about before who would be indoctrinated who had had been brainwashed by the reapers that might be interesting is you know one of these brainwash seeing if you decide that this indoctrination isn't if the effect of it isn't unique to this universe you know what would an indoctrinated organic coming on the fringe path with the idea of you know kill you know paving the way for these reapers to you know harvest all organics what what happens when you let them out on the fringe path that might be an interesting story i would think if they're cyborgs because they're not that's the thing like it i mean they could be at this point in the in the in the universe at this you know power uh tech level there's probably some cybernetic enhancements but again the indoctrination effect itself has an unknown uh, you know cause okay let me let me read the blurb here just for the husk yeah, which is what happens when the yeah. reapers get a hold of humans husks are the aggressive mindless foot soldiers of the reaper armies they are created by impaling either living or dead humans on mechanical spikes called dragon's teeth on by the humans that rapidly extract water and trace minerals and replace them with cybernetics these cybernetics reanimate the lifeless flesh and tissue transforming the bodies into horrifying killing machines they're particularly weak and somewhat fragile, but the Reapers deploy husks in large numbers to overwhelm the enemy. 
The hostile ability to feel pain as well as their tendency to attack in groups make them particularly deadly adversaries. Lovely. Yeah. Yeah. They don't sound uh, very uh, social. Cyber zombie. Yeah, basically they are. They're, they're like a mindless form of the universal soldier. Let's see. They got the quick strike. They got an electric blast, savage grapple, abomination, which they basically are, well, like suicide bombers, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Oh, the, the, the bombers are kind of the variations on the husks. But there is one other um, artificial intelligent race in the uh, Mass Effect universe, but it is pure tech. There is no organic element to it at all, and that's the Geth. Ah, uh, yes. But I, that would probably be of interest <clears throat> to Earth Prime and to IDET because it's an example of distributed intelligence because each Geth is basically a small little program, and it's only when they come together through communication, through networking, that they develop intelligence. So it's almost like a digital neural network. So any Geth robot is inhabited by thousands of Geth programs working together to be a brain for that robot. And that would probably be of interest. I would I would assume that would be of interest to, to IDET because it basically means, well, you know, you have a few, they're pretty dumb, but you get more and more of them together. They start thinking, they start thinking together and they become smarter and smarter and smarter and smarter. But, again, being all purely technical, they, they definitely wouldn't be able to get on the, the fringe path. Right. right, yeah. Well, they, they, they might be able to, they might deactivate then reactivate once you get them onto another world. Fair enough, yeah, as long as they're, because, yeah, there's nothing to imply that their their storage medium is magnetic. Yeah, well, it, it's like um, my one gamer said, if you have your memory on something akin to a flash drive that's not, magnetic based yeah that's just the lack of power once you repower it they'll fire right back up again there will be no loss of of digital self yeah because like when john said when electricity hits copper in the fringe path just shuts down so you can carry an insensate offline geth to another world that maybe it's energy and then fires back up again if i remember correctly though from what i remember in the second game when you actually get a geth teammate he actually talks about how he's kind of unique because he's made to operate beyond Geth space without contact with the rest of the Geth consciousness, which, if I remember correctly, it's like each individual Geth robot isn't that bright. They're bright enough to walk and shoot and relay information back to the so he'd be a hive sentient, mind. So he'd be a sentient Geth. So yeah, I think to be a sentient Geth, he would have to be a specially made one. I think they couldn't just grab a random Geth robot and take it through the portal and it be smart and sentient. I think it would have to be one of the ones built specifically to venture outside of Geth space. If, I, if, I'm, if I'm remembering what I, uh, the story of Legion from, from Mass Effect 2 and 3, I think he was a specially built what they call platform so that he could hold enough geth programs to have sentience and intelligence i think usually most other geth are don't have enough like storage space so to speak, or processor space so to speak to be sentient if i remember correctly but even then still that you have to assume depending on what part of the timeline you're in you could you might have to hunt or you know the gm might have to explain it but yeah they could be geth spies or, or recon units ex, you know exploring the galaxy keeping an eye on things well of course they they could also be spies for their race i would imagine that anybody who was a fringe worthy explorer would be expected to be spies for their races <laughs> whenever anytime you can get back we, we want you to report in so uh yeah okay so let's go the opposite direction uh, and talk about what things could the fringe worthy offer to um the the peoples 
of uh, Mass Effect. And uh, I already mentioned one, which is, is that there's uh, other uh, weapons that are, that are from the TriTac system or from whatever other system that you're using that might be something that doesn't exist in the Mass Effect universe, uh, not because it can't be supported by the uh, science there, but simply because that's not the direction that the people who were creating Mass Effect wanted it to go, but it certainly is supported by the universe, so why not add it? Uh, I would immediately jump to psionics. Um, because, as we've said, it it seems to work on. <clears throat> excuse me, the sickness is rising. Um, it, it, it psionics seems to work on you know ninety nine point nine percent of the the fringe worthy uh, connected worlds anyway. And this is a world that has sort of a baby pseudo psionics already in this universe. It would probably, I would imagine, be fairly easy once they realized what all was truly poten- you know, potentially possible for them to pick up standard psionics and develop it into a, a, a field of study. Yeah, because from what I'm seeing of the biotic specializations, okay, I've always said that psionics are, are of three disciplines, telepathy, telekinesis, teleportation. And with those three, you technically could branch out to all quote-unquote superpowers. Um, yeah, I'm seeing definitely telekinesis and teleportation but nothing of telepathy. Teaching. But again, we do have a little bit from the, sorry. What about shape change? What about body control? That's just tweaking the cells in your body. And that could be technically like a microkinesis, microkinetic type thing. Boosting healing could be considered. You're using telekinesis to enhance body functions, to enhance your healing factor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you could, you could come up with an explanation, come up with almost any power and trace it back to those three. I'm just saying that by going by that three-power model, other than the Asari melding, there's no real telepathy. Yeah. You teach them telepathy, yeah, you could read minds with the powers. You don't need to be in an Asari and be linking with... Because certain aspects of the Asari melding are just considered wrong in Citadel space. It would be like mental assault. Mm. There are certain things that Asari cannot do. If they do, they get in trouble. Well, but yeah. Yeah, there's one character that uh, has a... Uh... A genetic dis- they consider it a genetic disease among the Asari where when when she melds with a another life form she fries their their neurons yeah again that that's that's a hard <laughs> pass for me yeah um but yeah but actually now that I'm thinking about it and now that you talked about it with that in mind I would probably have the Reapers indoctrination be a form of telepathy uh usable by a machine race that has an organic slurry at its core. Okay. And that might be why they have to use the organic bits is so they can have that, you know, access to psionics. Although again, if you're depending on how you want to run it, you could you could easily say that just certain types of machine minds could use psionics if they're built correctly. Well, yeah, that that would be what what are the what do I call it? Biocytech, where it's sort of crystalline and it simulates psionic powers. Yeah. Yeah. Which in a way that's kind of termellern in a way. Well, I think even Asimov had you know <clears throat> robots picking up psionic abilities, so it, the 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 precedent is there. Yeah, but still, I would think the main thing with psionics would be yeah, with these biotics. If you just learn how to do this, this, and this, you could learn to read minds and not be in a sorry, and that would be yeah. like a major, major boost for the Citadel. I think just showing them what it's that it's possible and that their laws yeah. of physics allow for it would be just the extra little boost they would need, and then considering they have. The research into biotics, you know, they could just it would just be a lateral shift over in this new direction. Yeah, and they, yeah. they could make progress 
pretty well. And if you are using the psionics, well, let's see, it would still be the D20 modern psionics, but still, and I'm trying to recall how they do that because I've been so wrapped up in Ultimate Psionics or Pathfinder and the Six Disciplines and all that is a rewrite of uh, the Expanded Psionics Handbook from 3.5. Um, but yeah, you could sit there and just, yeah, it would be just a lateral shift. Okay, use your biotics specialists and all that and figure out how to do it this way and just it would be a matter of a a technology trade something else i just thought of that the idet say an idet team could offer to say the citadel council and mass effect would probably be some of the the terraforming tech um because although i have no doubt that there is terraforming in the Mass Effect universe. It doesn't seem to be incredibly fast or simple. It seems to be still very much a, a you know, generations long. Decades thing, kind of like with yeah, Firefly. Using, yeah. using lots of resources. And and, and I, I, although we, we do, we know how the Termellern terraformed and if it was fast or not, but depending on. They were gods. They could probably terraform something like use it like the Genesis device. That's what I would assume, if if nothing else, when with the when they still had the power of the big system at their you know beck and call. But if you they, could find even something that sped up their terraforming tech, uh, the Citadel Council would probably be happy to deal with you. Well, yeah, if if you had the big system working again, yeah, if you tr- it'd be tremendous. Oh yeah, if you if you could get that, yeah. But even if you could get something that was a, even a, a, a smaller upgrade. Well, you know, remember, you know, the Tamellern has the orange crystal, uh, which means that they've got ginormous um, construction, you know, uh, machinery. That yeah. uh, the que- getting it through the portal is the big question. Uh, yeah. If you can do yeah. that, then uh, I'm sure they they're built to last. They're built to. Uh, they're self-powering. They're they're going to do some amazing stuff. Uh, so yeah, uh, and of course, if, if this is a world, uh, since this is on the French Pass, uh, it may be that somewhere on that pro- that alternate, there's a cache of this type of stuff, and all you have to do is find it, and uh, and, and then start you know and, and offer it to uh, you know the council. Oh, I see. I'm trying to think what else the fringe paths could offer well i could think uh let, let me uh, make a couple suggestions here then um the uh uh okay so uh let's see here the uh the quarren and the krogan would really benefit from tamellan dock boxes uh and if there was any um uh quarren fringe worthy they could clear infections by portal travel rather than their current uh uh, method of basically either freezing or frying the section of their body that the infection is in. Um, I was thinking about that. Yeah, that the Aquarian would love to be fringeworthy because hop through the portal and yeah, their immune system is getting a huge boost. And it's also you know eliminating the disease. Yeah. You know, um, and then the Krogan, uh, I mean, in everything I've read, nobody seems to be really that, except the Krogan, uh, seem to be really interested in curing the Krogan. <laughs> so uh, someone made a disease uh, and didn't make a cure at the same time. Uh, and the Krogan can't seem to be able to figure out how to you know, create a whatever. But uh, with a Tamelaran dock box, you probably could at least cure individual Krogans. So you could increase the number of females uh, that are... Um, fertile. Fertile, yeah. yeah. I would say if... Because that actually makes me think of an adventure. You could have that be the adventure where you've got the dog box and you want to help the Krogan, 
that maybe the doc box needs to get you know the a sample from a female because the, supposedly they're the ones who are actually affected by the genophage yeah the genophage yeah it's uh yeah let's see here uh, it, uh, i think it causes like yeah only one in a thousand or ten thousand to be able to have live births yeah so, yeah that might and because one ten thousand yeah. and so like ma- multiple males will uh you know, basically yeah. father children through a single female. Yep. But yeah, because they're such like fertile females are so rare and so highly valued, you would either have to convince the Krogan to let you near one, which is odd in and of itself, or find a way to sneak through if you, but I assume any, if you tell any Krogan, Hey, I've got a cure for the genophage right in this box, they'll let you right through. But that could still be an interesting diplomatic mission because they krogan are very distrustful when it comes to that to protecting their females and they're distrustful of everybody the only tr- people they trust are other krogan right but if you take if you take an infertile female and turn them into a fertile female i'm sure that you get their you get their attention <laughs> you are their new best friend yeah <laughs> they'll still and, punch you but well well the thing is that the female krogans they rarely leave the home worlds they're in their own clans they're treated as prizes of war to be seized, bartered, or fought over. And env- uh, envoys are sent out from the female clans to determine who amongst the male is worthy to visit the female clans. Due to the effects of the genophage and the lack of fertile females, this happens often and many male Krogan are children from one female. Yeah. Or sire children from one female. Yeah. And just, oh no, if you could sit there and have your your biotech guy or your physician with a doc box, okay, let me check this out. Let me get a genetic scan of you. Oh, that's not right. Okay, let's tweak these alleles and all right, you're ready to go. Yeah. Oh, you got a right-handed twist. You need a left-handed twist right there. Let's take care of that. Yeah, by the way, if you guys heard that furs here. Yeah. 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 Well, hi, fur. Yeah, they say hi. Yeah. <laughs> See way back. <I'd... laughs> but no, the these these Krogan, yeah. Oh god, a Termellern talk doc box on, in an Ida team. Yeah, it basically you'd be the Krogan's new best friend. And in a way, because most likely you'll probably be playing a human. I mean, unless it's a mixed race team, you know, like Golden Horde, Blizzness, what have you. That might help foster better relations between, it might boost up humanity's, uh, their stock will rise in the Citadel races because remember, yeah, humans are big militarily, but they don't have a seat on the council, yet they've gotten other perks from what I've read that a lot of the other races are going, wait a minute, these humans, they're blundering through relays and you're doing everything short of giving them a seat on the damn council. And so this might help them if you if you weave this into the story. It's like, well, yeah, a human, you know, with some weird alien device, you know, that we don't know about. We don't know if it's human tech or what. Yeah, we've got. But they have it and they're the only place you can get it. Yeah. Well, no, still, that's the tricky thing. Is... They, they could sit there and, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, we're from Earth. Remember, just mm-hmm. tell enough. Remember, just tell enough of the truth and a lie to make it believable. You don't have to say which Earth. But, yeah, we're from Earth. Yeah. But that's know. something that has to be ta- taken carefully because it was the Citadel that created this genophage that affect the Krogan. No, 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 it wasn't. It was the Solarians. Yeah. Because the Krogans were expanding way too fast and aggressively. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying it still wasn't Earth. That it was no, it wasn't them. Earth, but it was the the Citadel Council before before Earth uh, Earthlings ever came on the scene. Okay, well, all right. So the point is that's I'm saying that explains why they're not trying to so- solve this problem. Yeah, the yeah. Turians did it. Yeah, the Turian the Turians, the Turians administered it. it. The Solarians developed it. The Asari said, "Yeah, go ahead." <laughs> wow. Okay, then. Yeah. 
Yeah, so it's one of those things, like, if, if humanity's... Hey, uh, Paladin, I think there's somebody outside trying to steal <laughs> our horses. You know, yeah. uh, we'll, we'll keep on interrogating this guy while you're gone. Yeah, cl- so, quick, quick, slip in this Mickey. Yeah, so that, slip her this Mickey. Yeah. So that that could make some interesting political ramifications if the Oh, humans, here's a... Okay, let me... Okay. Okay, let me, John, Jonathan, let me ask this. Is it publicly known that this genophage was made by the Citadel? Because, yes. And this Citadel group is still together despite all this? Okay, well, they, because the, they, they, because the Krogans were a threat to the galaxy at that point. They were the big bad evil of, of the galaxy at that point because they were literally waging war across the galaxy to expand their, their territory. Well, yeah. So they were the big, they were the big evil bad so yeah, it's it's commonly known that yes, the Citadel Citadel space did this to the Krogans, and it was seen as a good thing by the majority of people because it kept the Krogans from taking over the galaxy and killing everyone. Right, but at this point, the Krogans are basically a dying race. So by giving offering them a partial uh, solution, there it actually you know assuages the the what you know the the galaxy version of bleeding heart liberals who says that we never should have done this you know now we're going to lose a race you know and 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 we're all morally backer for it well if you can go say well no no we're we're actually we can't find a cure for it but uh we can uh, make sure they don't die out so good thing right <laughs> and that's well, the thing if it's sold that way it might work out yeah but i think i think even at the point when the humans in can like start gaining access to curing the genophage it's still most most of the council races don't want to do it they still oh they, yeah see let's say this fringe worthy team finds out about this and they do this oh yeah i just i've made a uh basically a retrovirus yeah inject this into all your females that aren't producing young and then it gets found out that idet team is going to have billions of red dots on them and the one safe place they're going to be need to be is on the other side of that portal to lock it down. Yeah. If they find out, wait a minute, we did this to control this race that was rampaging, tearing ass across the galaxy, and you just undid our work. Yeah. And the humans are all going to the the, the, the IDA team is going to be go, you know looking at their watch list wrists and go, hey, I forgot to leave something back on my home world. I gotta yeah. go. Yeah. And that was one of the things that that did. That's a it, to go back to an earlier you know, question. That is one of the things that I liked about the Mass Effect you know, universe is that it, it is a dirty, dirty history because, you know, the Krogans were uplifted by the Citadel to fight off another alien race. Yeah. The Rachni, the Rachni that were Rachni. Yeah. Spreading, you know, your classic alien space bugs. Yeah. Spider. Yeah. Rachni. Yeah. yeah, Oh, and they also have telepathy. I forgot about that. Okay. Let me take a look. They are another source of telepathy. Okay. Anyway. Um, so they were, the Krogan were lifted up to, to save the galaxy from that race. And then once that was done, they became a, the threat themselves. And so the Turians were brought in to, to eliminate wow, that. Wow, wait a minute. Making something and then they become a threat. No, this doesn't seem like a theme in French-worthy <laughs> at all. Exactly. Right, but, all, but you know how our primers love to get up on their moral high horses. Yes, and that's the thing. All this happened definitely before the Earthlings came into the scene. So once the humans get there... They'll probably, yeah, you'll you'll probably find some some uh, sympathetic ears amongst the Earth um, population, the human population. But I think in general, all the rest of the Citadel species will be like, no, we don't want the Krogans back. <laughs> no, we don't necessarily want them dead. They did save our butts that time, but we don't want them to be a hundred percent at you know their their former levels. 
because they were killing us. So that would be an interesting little political drama should that should that come into play. I was going to type something in the chat for our amusement, but still, I'm not sure how it would go off. I'll just stay out of the chat. <laughs> I rarely but, read the chat anyways. Well, no, usually I have to call your attention to it. You stop reading, then you bust out laughing. But I'm not, it, yeah, it might even be a bad taste then about, you know, having done that to the Krogans, you know. So, okay. Um, of course, you know, all of the weird, um, uh, you know, uh, weird tech that's all, you know, throughout the Fringeworthy game is, of course, available. Uh, the communication tech, the, uh, the ear, uh, the ear beads and the, and the wrist, um, uh, gauntlets that allow you to, uh, uh, translate essentially or, yeah. translate any language okay that's a that's something that might be really really i mean i i don't know if mass effect ever has any issues with with communication but as far as i'm aware of they have universal translators okay but that seems to be among the citadel races so as far as contacting you know races that aren't already a part of their council that might be useful it, it, definitely an instant translation as opposed to having to build up a rapport and and learn a vocabulary, but as far as you know, the Citadel species—they all have inst you know instant translators, which makes sense for the game because you don't want to have to you know subtitle every single alien species. Ah, here we go. Language translator software, even the simplest of clothing, have microcomputers that serve as interpreters between beings speaking different languages. Communication would be otherwise extremely difficult, especially for races with different or lacking vocal cords. These computers analyze the voice sounds in the air and then transmit the translation into the ears at frequencies that supersede normal voice sounds. The character is thus un able to hear the actual voice sounds instead hearing what the microcomputers transmit these microcomputers are advanced enough to translate words while maintaining tone yeah okay and they have they have all the base rate let's see asari vitarians drell elcor hanar humans krogan Corian, salarian turian volus and vorcha that's basic so they would still have to get to know a language then they can make the database then they can yeah. add that oh we found this new race out in the attican expanse Okay, we have to do philo philo philological research, linguistics, in order to determine syntax, grammar, vocabulary, and then we can make the database, put that into the, the language translation software. Now we can talk with these people. Here, put on this suit. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So they still have translation issues at the beginning, but once they get a database and put it, you know, weave it into clothing. Well, it's just clothing. It could you just here, wear this sash. Yeah, put put this pin on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's how they did it in Incursion. You just had bling on you that yeah. was basically yeah. a let you pass through the walls. Yeah. So, yeah. The translators yeah. there'd probably be a demand, but not as much as some less primitive worlds, I imagine. It would it would be of interest to like their, their first contact teams when when finding new races. Okay. Of course, you could always really mess with them, like some of the uh, the Tamellar material, like the Tamellar and putty that gets softer as it gets colder. <laughs> uh, the uh, the brush that changes hair colors any way you want them to, you know. Uh, yeah, the the trinket type stuff you'll you'll definitely find a demand for because this is already a, a a galaxy, you know, that love that is that is becoming cosmopolitan. Oh yeah. Where you have many different races 
partaking in the the cultures and food of other races yeah you're going to have oh i'm sure that on earth you're going to have you know uh, basically how can how would i put it let's let's use for example the home like oh you're gonna have in in what's whatever new york city is oh you're gonna have little fessia it's asari themed restaurants and clubs and whatnot and you're gonna have just yeah you're going to have like in little parts of major megalopoli on because i'm assuming with this with the high high tech construction techniques you're going to have like i put in the world the mile high towers and you could have an arcology that's nothing but excuse me nothing but um oh look we have the entire three floors and it's all for uh krogan's krogan cuisine krogan krogan music Krogan books and just yeah you would I mean of course they all talk about uh a wealth disparity so you'd probably also have ghettos you know the 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 poor parts of some of these cities on earth that you're down and out you got stranded on earth and now you're stuck here living in a shack in you know Singapore, you know, mm-hmm. or somewhere in Malaysia or somewhere in the African subcontinent or something. And you're going to have these areas like the cuisine is going to be predominantly of that race because that's all that they eat, you know. Yeah. Yeah. First said project. Yeah. The projects. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't go down that road. Yeah. The, 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 you're going to have a sorry women making eyes at you. They're not women. You know what I mean? Just keep driving. So, yeah. It just some reference to Philippines there. No, I'm just saying that, you know, you're driving through the part of the town where a bunch of Asari's all, you know, it's like a little neighborhood and just. Just, you know, they make eyes at you. Don't let them touch you. Keep driving. That's Lock right. The door. You know, yeah. He says, you know, look, looking, looking for, you know, someone to help us with future progeny. Yeah. Because, yeah, with how I read, you know, it's like, yeah, if they touch you and they start linking, yeah, they start taking the best parts of your DNA and they make another Asari. But it still has aspects of the partner, and it could be any of the other races. So far from what I've been reading of the Asari, they can pretty much, well, meld with all the ra- other races in this. Yeah, because they always produce a sorry, okay? They just use the genetic material of the other races as kind of a randomizing agent so that, you know, so basically all possible forms of a sorry exist in their own DNA. They just turn on and turn off genes by using this randomizer. So you might, you know, so that's that's how they do it. And so, you know, yeah, I think scientifically they don't really take traits from the father quote, but yeah, it's just a randomizer. But they they tend to they even the Asari themselves tend to talk about as if they take traits from the father. Yeah, Asari believe yeah Asari believe that their offspring acquire the best qualities from the father from the melded genes, which of course depends much on the father qualities and those a particular Asari considers being the best of them. Yeah. So, but still, the truth of the matter is, is that there's no genetic material that's passed into their genome. It's all there, and it just this is more of a, you know, uh, determines how you get how is you're going to shake up that genetic lottery, you know. Yeah, because mm-hmm. they frown on intraspecies, and apparently there is um, if two Asari decide to mate, it's occasionally referred to as a pure blood, and that's an insult among contemporary Asari. Yeah, the idea being that once they actually got out into space and could encounter other species, they they preferred to mate with other species as opposed to just themselves. 
Well, because then you get essentially what is inbreeding. Yeah. Right. If you're trying to if you're trying to maximize the the expression of your genes, then you need the largest, you know, the greatest maximizers. Right. Yeah. 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 So, of course, I'm sure that they could find some technology that did this, but it's nice that they use it as a uh, social mechanism for bringing all the races together. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Just, yeah. It, it's not like the just fanboy service. Yeah. But, it's not. No. It, yeah. At it's least they tried like, to explain it. Yeah, it's not like the Asari are going to have, you know, the green skin of a Drell or the hunchback of an Elcor. You know, it's like, no, they all look like that sort of gray-skinned, female-form monogender being. Yeah. Between gray to purple. Yeah. There might be some variations in height. There might be some variations in skin thickness. You know, but it's still within the possible ranges based upon their genome. Because even amongst humans, we you know humans can be anywhere from like you know two and a half foot tall to uh, almost nine foot. So that's a lot of variance. Okay. Yeah. You know? And a lot and a lot of um, you know uh, leg you know leg length, arm length, torso combinations. You know, it's like my. My wife is uh, is is more leg than torso. I'm more torso than leg. You know, when we stand up, we're the same height. When we sit down, there's a difference. Yeah. Mm. So it's just all uh, like that. So it's, uh, and I'm saying they're the same way. I'm sure. So it's uh, you. You still see a lot of variety. You know, among you know, in in, in groups of them. You know, and uh, but like I said, they don't feel a need to marry. You know probably most of the people they mate with simply because they're just using them as you know genetic randomizers they're not actually engaging in a relationship like you know but they do they they, they do it in the in the game because that's you know they're they're uh, romance uh, uh, objects as well you know well I think they say because they have the lifespans they're like the mass in mass effect the sorry are like elves they live for like a thousand years yeah more and most of the other races don't so for them marrying any other race is it's like going steady for a little while yes i like you i love you i'm going to stick with you for the 40 years of you have left of your life and maybe yeah yeah and then i'll miss you when you're gone and go move on to the next one yeah and now doctor there will be 10 minutes where i'll be inconsolable and then i'll move on yeah um (laughs) You fall madly in love, you grieve, you move on. Yeah, and they have their three stages of life of uh, maiden, matron, and well, wait, a minute. I don't want, I don't want to say crone. Where was it at? But, <laughs> you know, crone just means a woman who's forty years old. <laughs> oh no, I'm serious. That you know, historically. Yeah, well, it's a good thing I've got the headset on, not the microphone. Just, just... Oh, okay. Somebody's going to get upset. All right. Well, I don't want to take that chance. There's, you know? there's a, there's a funny bit. You know, uh, on uh, the show called Dharma and Greg, where oh. you know where uh, Greg's mother, who's feeling a little bit upset about the fact that she's turning fifty, you know, and uh, and so the woman who's like this, you know, the they're like flower children who had Dharma, the daughter. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. She has this whole ceremony where she says, you know, you know, your eggs are all, your womb is now empty. Your child, children are all grown. Welcome, dear sister, to the life of a crone. And she's like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> so, but, you know, it grows on her by the end of the night. She sees okay, especially when they try to, they basically get all these young men at a uh, uh, naval uh, bar 
to fawn all over her because she still looks very good. You know, and she's like, okay, you're all too young for me, but that, but you make me feel, but you make me feel a little better about myself. <laughs> so, but uh, it was, it was a cute episode. Maiden, matron, and matriarch is how they yeah. say it. Okay, yeah. Oh, and I love, and I love the name of her goddess, Athame. Okay, all right. Well, you know, that sounds like very much English words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, because I mean, you can't be a matriarch unless you have a whole lot of matrons to rule over, really. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. All right. Okay. Uh, well, that's kind of all I had. Um, uh, do you got some more uh, uh, directions for us to go there, uh, Jonathan? Uh, nothing specific. Um, I think we've talked a good bit. I think one of the things I would recommend is if you can, if you have the means and you haven't done it so far, play Mass Effect. It's a fun game. Even if you really don't want to play it yourself, find a Let's Play, watch some you know, gameplay footage of it, get a feel for the world, because it is a rich setting. Oh, no, um, from what I've read, yes, it's a very vibrant yeah, setting that I looked at, it and I'm just seeing even how the races are and the availability of what you can do with your characters. I was quite impressed with it. Yeah, there's the three main games. There's novels set in the, in the universe. There's comic books set in the universe. And then there's the, the fourth game, which didn't do so well, but... Yeah, yeah and there. Yeah, I, I I played it a little bit, and eh, maybe I'll go back to it one day. Oh but, no, there and there is a untitled fifth game coming uh, to be determined. Yes, when. they have yeah. announced they are still working in that universe, but no other details other than that there is a game coming. Um, so yeah, I definitely recommend uh, checking it out. Uh, if nothing else, just as inspiration, you know. See if you see some ideas you like, steal them for your campaign. Steal the whole setting for your campaign if you want. Well, that's what we're talking. I mean, that's the whole point of this of this episode is that we're telling you to steal it, and we're telling you where to find it. And 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 real quick, folks, as far as this netbook goes, this was made pretty much by you know just this guy putting this together, and he even puts, uh, this game is for enjoyment purposes. It is not for sale. Yeah, he just whipped it together. But again, this is a 500. If look up Mass Effect PDF, you know, as as we say on my show, JFGI, just frelling Google it. You'll find this. You can download it, and it it it's all OGL D20. You could use it, you know, for Pathfinder 1E, which is all convertible to it. So yeah, and you can use it just pl- you know plunder it just for ideas in your game. You know, I mean, it's got some very interesting concepts in here, even as far as the specializations. You know, just so yeah, it it you you can find this on the internet if you again JFGI. Yeah, yeah. it's 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 a great setting. So yeah, if if you and if especially if you enjoy the aspects that make like. Fringeworthy and, and certainly the aspects that make it fun for you, exploration, numerous races, numerous cultures. Mass Effect is a great parallel. Political intrigue, mm-hmm. because both the both games, Fringeworthy and Mass Effect, have that going for it if you yeah. play it that way. Yeah. Right. So it's actually at jpvsgames.com slash Mass Effect D20. Oh, so okay. if you want to check it out, and it, it has the additions for uh, Mass Effect's Adronima or just the regular. Uh, so it's up to you what you want to play and how far you want to play it. So it's even got spreadsheets to help you cre- automate your character creation. And uh, 
you know, or if you just want to download a character, uh, a character sheet to start working on, it's all there. We got manual expanding the universe, lots and lots of cool stuff, um, and uh, you know get you uh, you know get into it if you if you uh, if you want to. And uh, and I say add it to your Fringeworthy game if you're playing Fringeworthy. Feel free to add it. I think it's a good idea. Uh, it's I think there's a and like I said, but you're going to have to think about where in the timeline a Mass Effect you want to to bring it into the game because it does make a big difference. Uh, but otherwise, it sounds like a, a big, a, a great addition to the Fringeworthy game, and I think Fringeworthy would be a great addition to your Mass Effect, even if you're just playing Mass Effect RPG D20, you know, and um, uh, doing some of the adventures or side stories that you might, that might be inspired by the events in the video game. Uh, bringing in Fringeworthy, uh, a Fringeworthy team uh, could really enhance that game. So either way, you know, enjoy your chocolate and your peanut butter or your peanut butter and your chocolate. So, uh, and if you don't, then don't, because it's your game. So uh, uh, thanks for being with us. Thanks for uh, listening to us again. Uh, and uh, I, I just, you know, I myself have added a lot of um, other people's intellectual property into my Fringeworthy game, and I can tell you that it's a lot of fun to do it. So oh, I, yeah. I recommend it. Uh, and as we get more and more pieces of more and more different <laughs> uh, of these properties added into my campaign, it's gotten very, very different from the very first Fringeworthy uh, campaign I ran many, many years ago. So I'm just saying that... Uh, you know, it's it's a it's a Pandora's box, but it in in the in the bottom of it, you know, there's still hope. <laughs> okay, and I'm just gonna let I'm just gonna let all you all know something. Professor Pixie is at work again, doing more games and stuff for uh, Pikmin's World and Jack and Daxter are the two that she's working on now. It'll be a while yet, listeners, because after she gets all her notes together, she and I have to sit down and plug it into Fringeworthy. But there is more coming from the professor. Just putting that out all there for y'all listeners. If you're wondering, why is it you guys have been doing it? Where's the professor at? Well, <laughs> besides having pushed out a kid, you know, she's got other things going on, including her new Twitch TV thing going on. So, but I've, I've pushed her back into the direction of heading back eventually to the podcast. So, all right. Well, then, um, uh, I would say that, uh, it's it's in good hands and we'll look forward to what she has for us but you guys are going to have to wait until at least next week so until then this is bruce sheffer saying there are a million million worlds out there so go explore them and this is trav there's a reason why it's called gaming it's for having fun gaming on the frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast.
Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.